Pancakes here, and joining me tonight on The Stack, I have Joseph, Joe, Joey, Anderson, Anderson, and you can see him in Magnum Wrestling and um, across the Midwest over the past uh, decade plus, so please welcome Joseph Anderson. What's up, Val? So happy to be here. Finally, I'm on The Stack. Finally. <laughs> I will bask in your glory. <laughs> Well, thank you for joining me tonight. Um, I was super excited when I get to talk to people here that I've been friends with for like 10 years now, um, which is weird to think about. We're old. Oh, I'm decrepit. <laughs> uh, we're old. But thank you for joining me. I'm so excited um, to be able to talk with you and make other people listen to me talk with you. I'm very happy to be here and uh, ready to spill my guts. That's a different show. Oh, oh, it's not this. Oh, sorry. Um, This isn't the one where the slime comes out of the ceiling, is it? Depends on what you say. Oh, we talked about this already. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I put on the internet that I was going to talk with you tonight, and I got a couple of comments that I wanted to just kind of run by you and see how you feel about them. Um, right. First, I'm supposed to ask you, who is your favorite bald man? <laughs> there apparently is a right answer to this question. There is a right answer. I mean, I, I, I love all men of, uh, of the shiny head variety. Um, platonic. I, mean, I, don't, I haven't met the right one yet. I guess I shouldn't say that. Um, but right now, the, the one bald man who has my heart is the one and only uh, Bogat, Deathmatch Daddy himself. He has, uh, I've, I have kissed that bald head several times. Well, I mean, not surprised. <laughs> you you guys salty. have been, I've seen you guys as partners more than mm-hmm. once. Mm-hmm. Tag team partners, oh, not, yeah. not, not other variety. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You, I, I told you that in confidence and uh, I'm going to need the video back. No longer trusted with it. Not, I mean, once something's <laughs> on the internet, you can't get it off. Oh, the jailboat sex tape. Oh boy, that's a doozy. <laughs> it's actually just two guys getting winded drinking beer. That's that's what it is. Two guys Uh-oh. with bad knees and Brian with 900 hernias getting blown up. <laughs> the other question I was supposed to ask you. Um, and I'm going to see if you can guess who messaged me to ask you this question. Okay. But um, I'm supposed to ask you uh, about sharks. Alyssa? You, no, we have a rule. You do not stalk me in this part of my life. Okay. Yeah. You want my honest thoughts about sharks? Uh, there's, there's a good friend of my wife. Uh, I've known her for a long time. Um, her name is Alyssa. Shout out to her. She's getting married here pretty soon to a great guy. Uh, however, um, we both have a love for Finding Nemo. I love Disney movies. Um, I will fully admit that uh, when Frozen came out, my wife and I were the only two adults without children in the movie theater. Uh, I love anything cartoon animated. However, Finding Nemo. She, she really supports sharks. She believes that sharks are just misunderstood members of our aquatic society. I, however, fully believe that sharks are mindless, brutal, killing machines who care about one thing and one thing only, and that is shredding 
small fish to pieces. Uh, she's always tried to make Bruce like the misunderstood guy from that movie. And no, Bruce is the antagonist in that movie. Short lived, but yeah. So anyways, Alyssa, eat a shark's dick. Wow. You feel very strongly about sharks. I'm glad that we got that out of the way soon. I do. I like, mean, I, I enjoy sharks. Like I enjoy good heel wrestling, but you know, am I going to let a shark watch my kid? No. Are you sure? Well, I mean, I guess if I got to know the shark. Also I mean, depends on how much I like the kid. I mean, it depends maybe on the type of shark. That's true. There are some very docile sharks. Uh, I was recently... In the Gulf of Mexico, uh, we went on a little vacation in Florida, and my dumbass a week before we left was like thinking there's like two or three breeds of shark, you know, in the in the species of shark, and the, no, like seventy five, and three of which will swim right up to you, and you won't even know they're there. I'm a I'm a land man. <laughs> I'm a land man. <laughs> yeah, I'm a land man. I love to walk them. I love to skip them. I love to hop them. <laughs> I got nothing. Welcome to a few minutes inside of this. Woo. So now that we've got those questions out of the way. All right. What was a young Joseph like? Oh, young Joseph. Oh, wild-eyed, full of, full of passion. Um, way too much evangelical Christianity and... Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I was full of a lot of it. Uh, no, Joe was uh, uh, a good kid. Um, I grew up uh, in the Midwest in Iowa, in Des Moines, Southside. Uh, and growing up, I, I've always loved professional wrestling. So up until about well, probably seven or eight, I lived a, a normal kid life. And then I joined a gang um, for life, still in. Uh, I should have been repping my colors tonight. And it was at that moment that I just completely fell in love with wrestling. And so like every decision that my, that I made from that point on always had wrestling in mind, you know, the friends I hung out with the extracurriculars, the sports I played, gotta be home on Monday nights, gotta be home on Thursdays. Now I God, now you gotta be home every night of the week, but um, love sports, love playing football. Like I said, grew up in the church, um, no longer affiliated with the church. Hope that doesn't make you less of a fan of me. Um, I will credit the church for, um, kind of making me the man I am though, you know, it did teach me some respect, some discipline. Um, I think it's probably where some of my compassion and empathy began. Uh, I think life made me the person I am though. Uh, was, and I, I just kid who just really loved the Green Bay Packers too. I, that's uh, another big passion of mine and video games. You know, I lived that all American Midwestern football player, dating the cheerleader, uh, life and, uh, Till I graduated high school, and then I found out I loved beating the shit out of myself. So uh, we were talking right before you got on that you've been wrestling for 15 years. Can we cut me open and count the rings? <laughs> Does that work with people? You only get to think, try once. I don't think we should do that, but I think that there are other ways we can figure it out for sure. Um but like, how did you decide to pursue wrestling? Like what made you decide to go from, I like wrestling to, I am going to be a wrestler. Probably like 13, 14, like most uh, people, you know, I started in the backyard. Um, if you're young and watching this right now, please do not do what we all did. 
Um, there's an entire generation that, that grew up, a uh, millennial generation, that by the time they're 70, will not be able to spell backyard wrestling. So please, you know, wait, get in the gym, work on your body, work on your diet, take some gymnastics classes, learn how to roll, um, but wait until you're in an actual ring to, to try this. Um, but you know, all my friends were obsessed with wrestling and actually there's a, uh, a gentleman by the name of, um, Alexander Payne. Um, he got his start at ring of honor, um, now wrestles kind of on the East coast area. Um, and, uh, uh, he and I kind of came up together, uh, with another guy named, uh, um, Hunter Matthews was his wrestling name. Uh, he trained over in, uh, Illinois. He didn't last long couple year career and he got out um but i know pain's still working and so we had this path that we were all we graduated we we're gonna pack our bag move to philly and go to the ring of honor school because uh cm punk was was training then and my life right after graduated high school um i was gonna give it a year kind of wait and see uh, i was going to school trying to come up with that plan b and in the meantime i had broken up with my high school girlfriend and started dating to become my college girlfriend and I decided that maybe sticking around home to see how that worked out and to finish up school would be the thing I'd do. And so he actually moved out there, uh, got there and CM Punk got a contract from the WWE. So he did train under Austin Aries, which is awesome. So, um, which I wouldn't have hated training under Aries, but I stayed back and then, you know, life kind of happened. And then I decided I was going to learn to wrestle here in the Midwest. Um, took like every camp I could get. I got to say, uh, back in the day, um, in Muscatine, Iowa, uh, IWA Mid-South and the NWA used to run some fire, fire shows. I mean, you're talking about like Abyss before he was on TV, Tyler Black before he was on TV. I mean, just who's who, Ryan Boss, fucking love Ryan Boss. Uh, and that, it was the first time I really saw wrestling outside of like Ring of Honor or WWE, where it was this, it was an indie show, but I was hooked. And I was like, holy cat. And then I started doing my research and I realized these things are everywhere. This is where guys cut their teeth. And that is when I really decided, like, I want to do this. I'm going to do this. And so I got picked up every camp I could find, um, trained for a little bit in Des Moines with a company there. And so that kind of fizzled out. And then I made my way to Omaha, found Jason Strife. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so while you were training and doing camps, like what are some of the things that you've taken with you throughout your whole career, your, your illustrious 15 year career? And I've made so much money. <laughs> we'll just say I spent it all on booze and women, right? It's not I mean, a lie. I spent it, it all on booze and a woman. <laughs> but the best one. <laughs> the best one. The only one. The one. Uh, things I've taken with me. Um, so I guess the style of wrestling I've always enjoyed is more of that ground and pound and also with a little mix of, you know, Memphis, a little gimmicky. Uh, I just really love, I love crowd work. And that's one thing I've always taken with me when I was early on in my career, the way I would actually advertise myself to promoters is that I'm not the guy you're going to put the match on the DVD. I'm not your work rate guy, but I'm the guy who's there. Who's going to work the people in the building. So they may have came for that five-star indie, you know, all the shit I can't do. I can take it, given it not so much, but I wanted to be that guy who was there too. Whether you loved me or you hated me, I was that guy I wanted to pull you in. And so really, as I've gone over the 15 years, that's what I've tried to hone and perfect. And those are little tips and tricks I've learned. Um, I had a phase where I tried to be the sexy indie guy. 
I tried to do all the suplexes and all the fancy strikes and all the reversals. And it's just, it was round peg square hole. And it was, it's just not me. And so that's when I kind of adopted that Joe Dozer, Joey Anderson gimmick. I was like, I can drink beer and fight people. Okay. I was, I had to think, you know, if, if I were really going to put myself in a fighting situation, I'm going to go to a bar, I'm going to get drunk and I'm going to fight. That's the only time I could see myself getting into a fight. I thought that's who I'll be. And so the little things I've taken, just those little tips and tricks and like a way a guy can just blow my mind is when they give me the simplest little trick. Um, we were at a show years ago and Jock Sampson was there. Jock daddy, love him. The goat, love Jock Sampson. And uh, he has no idea who I am, but he gave me this tiniest little trick in a tag match all about when, you, when, when it's time to make that tag and you're, you know, just instead of crawling to your corner and looking behind you, he gave me just this little tweak. I won't share it because it is a trick of the business. And my mind almost melted out of my nose. It was so simple that when I tell you, it is so simple. And I was like, oh my God, he's the smartest man I've ever met. Those are the things I love. Um, you know, I try to study spot sequences and things I can steal and rip off. But for me, it's, it's little mannerisms, little movements, just little things. Uh, one thing I love about Magnum, and we're talking a lot about Magnum here on this one, uh, the camera work has gotten so much better. Um, the production is phenomenal. Uh, Logan Davis, if you guys, if you're looking, I mean, keep an eye on this guy. If uh, this guy should be exclusively making money just by producing wrestling. I mean, he is, he is that good. Um, but now I'm noticing as the camera hones in on my face, what are my facials doing? What are my eyes doing? What are my mouth doing? And I've noticed one thing from this though. I do this the entire match. Like that is like my, my brain thinking thing. And I'm watching back one of the more recent shows and I got a kid in the chin lock and my tongue is just inside of my mouth. And so as a kid, I was diagnosed with, uh, with Tourette's, uh, mild, mild Tourette's. Um, I was very twitchy as a kid. Um, and it's something back when I used to play football, people thought I was a psychopath because I would never feel it. But my teammates would be like inside of my helmet. It was like, like my face is just on fire. And it's gotten more, it's gotten better, more controlled as I become an adult. But I think when I'm in the ring, I kind of lose control of some of those clicks and ticks. So that's something I'm working on too. Um, just, yeah, better ways to tell stories and better ways right now, exclusively working as a heel. I'm always looking for ways I can make guys look better. That, that's, that's what I want to do. I want the guys that I'm in the ring with to come out of this thing. Let me get my heat. Don't I'll get my heat. But in the end, you best believe I'm counting lights for you because we're going to shoot you to the moon. I appreci I appreciate your crowd work. It makes me laugh pretty much every time. <laughs> um, you uh, at the last show that you were at, and I think that we were both at. You, you told some kid you were going to wrestle for another ten years just so that you could kick his ass when he's eighteen. <laughs> me, me and this young man. This is we have a we have a feud going. Um, yeah, bring your kids to shows. I will remember them, and I I will pull back things they have said to me for months before. My brain works okay like that sometimes, but yeah, this young man. Yeah. He's uh he's he's got a mouth on him, but yeah. So um, don't tell him this, but I don't know if I can keep that ten year commitment, but we'll try. Come out of retirement when he's done for wrestling in his first match. You know what? This I can get behind. <laughs> if you're retiring, I don't know. I've seen a lot of wrestlers retire and then like not retire and then unretire. 
so I, I feel retired. like you I feel like you retired and unretired. I did. I did. I, did. Uh, I don't know. I just got it was very like a definitely sleep on these decisions if you're out there and you're in a headspace you're like I cancel. I got a couple bookings canceled. I can't break to that next level. Don't drink and then just convince yourself you hate it because you'll quit. I cried like a baby for three days. And then after a year, I was like, okay, I got to come back. I wasn't ready to be gone. So I have. So the next time I retire, it will not be a retirement. It will be, um, you just never see me at shows anymore. And that's how you know I'm done wrestling. <laughs> I just don't see you anymore. I mean, I'll still show up, but it just I just won't fall down anymore. That'll be the, I'll quit when people quit booking me. That's when I'm going <laughs> to oh so who has had the most influence on you both in and out of the ring and it can be two different people um you know i actually it's funny you say that um so this past weekend i was actually at a show below zero wrestling out of fargo north dakota great promotion um if you're in that area check it out definitely check out they do some really good production stuff too but they had eric bischoff um as a guest at the show and as soon as I heard that was announced, I started fanboying, marking out. And I really thought about it for a couple of weeks. I was so excited. I was like, why are you so excited to meet this guy? And I actually realized that he is one of the single most influential people in my life. And I told him this. Um, he probably thinks I'm just a fucking complete weirdo now. Um, great, great guy. Cool dude. He's probably just, heard weirder from weirder dudes. He probably has, but you know, I'll just never forget. I knocked on the door. I heard come in and I walk in and here's Eric Bischoff sitting at this round table, just a dude. And, uh, I got to have a couple minutes with them. And, and basically what I told him and what all my answer to you is, uh, you know, as an eight, nine year old kid flipping through TV, I stumbled upon WCW wrestling and I was, you know, I knew of wrestling before Hulk Hogan, the macho man, but it kind of passed me. And I found the NWO and it was the coolest thing I had ever seen. You know, I'm sure my story's like millions of other guys out there, wrestling fans. And I love Kevin Nash. I love Scott Hall. And I fell in love with WCW, DDP, Booker T. And it wasn't until I became an adult, um, got a little bit wiser, smartened up about how, how the business works that I realized, I think the guy I owe all this admiration to is Eric Bischoff. And I told him that. And I said, had you not been the executive vice president of WCW, had you not come up with this plan to bring in the outsiders to create the NWO, I don't know if wrestling would have ever caught my eye. It was a perfect storm in that moment. And because of that moment, every decision I've made from then on out was wrestling. I wouldn't have met you. I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't have, we wouldn't be in this moment. I never would have taken a bump. Um, you know, the people that have got the, the chance to watch me wrestle and support me never would have happened. And I told him, I said, had it not been for you in that creation, in that moment, I don't know what my life would be like today. You know, even the, the job I have outside of wrestling, um, which I'm not afraid to share, I'm a registered nurse. That was my plan B. It was a good plan B. I could travel, go anywhere, do it. And so I have to say, you know, outside of the ring, you know, whole influence, Eric Bischoff's probably one of those guys with some perspective. Now, the guy in the ring that made me go, I'm doing that, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hands down, no questions. That, that's my dude. Uh, you know, it's everybody's dude. Um, Austin, definitely um, one of my biggest influences. I just, that guy, ah, I love him. Aw, I hope someday. Have you ever met Stone Cold? I have not. I have not. He's on the list. 
I hope someday you get to meet Stone Cold and tell him all of this and maybe give him a hug. Oh God. I, you know, I, there is, there is a bucket list part of me when I got to talk to Eric Bischoff and shake his hand and just, which was kind of funny because uh, the ending of my match got a little wonky, um, just some miscommunications. And I was a little heated afterwards with, with someone. And I came through the locker room a little heated and I walked by just God damn it. What the shit was that? And there's Eric Bischoff just leaning up against the wall. And I'm like, Oh my God, you just made a giant fucking ass of yourself. Oh my God. So part of it was I went to apologize so he doesn't think, God damn local hothead indie superstar out here. And like, it's not me, man. I'm sorry. I just, I was very excited about this match and I didn't go quite the way I wanted to. So, oh, I'm sure that the people there enjoyed it regardless. Oh, they had a good time. Great show. Great crowd. So, what? What do you see as your future in wrestling? Ah, that's a great question. Something I ponder a lot. Yes, yes. Um, At this point. Uh, So I'm 34 as we record this. Um, I feel like I'm 75. Um, I'm running on one bad knee, bad neck, and uh, more concussions than I can. What was your question? (laughs) Bad joke uh dad jokes how many cts do you have (laughs) oh (laughs) i'm 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 invested uh really what i want to do now is i don't think tv is going to happen for me um i don't think a long-term contract something in the works for me and at this point in my life i don't know if that's what i would want what i want to do is i want to keep making towns i want to keep going to new promotions i want to go where i can pass off whatever little bit I can right now. I really want to work with young guys. Uh, I want to put them over. I want to get them and and teach them, you know, you got all these flashy moves and everything, but let's slow things down and let's sell. Let's work. Let's, let's walk and talk a little bit. Uh, That's what I want to do. You know, I'm not looking to have the match of the night anymore, but I am looking to be the guy you go home and you're like, I really fucking hated that guy. (laughs) Like um, that's where I'm at. Uh, cause the more heat I can get, and that's what I can place onto somebody else and help them, um, get over and advance them, you know, their career in that market. So that's just what I want to do. I want to keep going to new places. I mean, there are some promotions that are on my list, but by no means am I saying I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to get to a certain level. Uh, none of the places I think I want to get to are going to sign me to a long-term exclusive contract. However, there are a couple of promotions, uh, in the Midwest, Chicago, Minnesota, um, that are first on my list. <laughs> so yeah, there's still some, some places out there that uh, for me being able to, to work there is, um, you know, for everybody else, I don't really care what they think to me though. It's a, uh, it's an attaboy. It's a, you, you set a goal, you saw it through and you did something that people thought you'd never be able to do. And honestly, my career at this point is, is that, you know, my very first match, um, I basically got told the same for you. You look like shit. You don't know what you're doing. And we're honest feedbacks. I didn't know what I was doing and I looked like shit. Uh, but I've always, I've always used that. Just that motivation of you can't, you won't. And yeah, I may not have hit every goal I set forth, you know, as a, as an 18 year old kid, but life happens, but I'm, I'm having fun. I'm making friends, meeting awesome people. Hopefully somebody's getting a kick out of this. And I'm just going to keep doing it till the wheels fall off. I mean, I didn't, 
accomplish everything that I thought I would when I was 18 either. But to be fair, 18 year old me was a dumbass. So as was this 18 year old me. I wish I wish I had the mentors I have the mentors I found in my late 20s in wrestling. I wish I would have had them at 18. Just career trajectory decisions you make. Everything would have been a little bit different. Um, And even some of the people who are mentors to me now, they were coming along with me. So they always knew more than me, but now they're at a point where they're like, God damn it. I wish somebody would have told me these things 10 years later too. So it's, um, but it's been a ride. I have no regrets. So what has been your greatest achievement in wrestling to this point? And that can be like a title that you had or some specific matches or whatever, you know, whatever greatest achievement means to you. It doesn't have to be like a tangible thing necessarily. Greatest achievement that is, you know, I will say my first one is probably definitely Magnum related. Um, I never thought of myself as a guy who was going to be the main event. Never thought of myself as the guy who you were going to strap, who was going to carry a product or a promotion for however long. And I will never forget when I found out that I was um, going to win the title at at Magnum um, and pin Carlito for it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like that is probably my fondest memory. Like if I, I can remember it. And it, it was a wild night because I was in the opening match in the six man tag guns and beer. And I got pushed off the top rope and I went to just take the apron to the floor. But when they, I pushed me a little too hard, missed the apron, hit the bellkeeper's table and my head back of my head bounced off the bell. I hit the floor. I woke up in the back puking on myself. So I'm like, it, this is not the night for this. So just to go from literally staying outside, throwing up, to hitting the ring and I had the piggy in the bank. So you don't follow Magnum Pro. It's it's money in the bank, but it's a piggy, cute little purple piggy bank. And you go and you cash it in. I hit that ring so excited that as I slid in, my hands just let go. And I in slow motion watch this pig roll across the ring as I am army crawling towards it, fall out of the ring and shatter. And I'm like, my brain goes, you blew it. You're one moment, you blew it, you're done, kid. And the referee looks at me and he goes, I guess you're cashing in, huh? <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. And then boom, 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 roll them up, one, two, three. And it was incredible. And for me, why that's so important is just because, again, I'm still very self-deprecating. And I've had mentors tell me to stop, to have, you know, to view myself the way other people view me. And I wish I could. I really, that's my greatest goal in life is to view myself the way the rest of the world does. Um, but that was, that was the first time where I really felt accom- like someone trusted me. That, that to me was an accomplishment that they went, this kid's not going to fuck up. We can trust him to be the last guy on the show. And some other promotions have done that for me. And I'm always appreciative of that because it's a vote of confidence and one, my reliability um, and my, my ability to perform and, and help their promotion succeed in that area. So those will always be fun to me. And then, mm, mm. I think some, just anytime I get to go to a new promotion, to me, that is an achievement. And that's something I remember. I always remember my first match somewhere. I may not remember my third or fourth, but I will always remember my first because it's a new place and it's a new person who has said, here's my hard-earned money. Take it, perform. I trust you. 
And then when I get an opportunity to come back, that's, that's nice too. Uh-huh. So, yeah. And then I, and uh, beating Bo got up in a Taipei death match, probably my favorite match. You, you just to touch on that, just, just ever so briefly, um, you've done a couple of uh, hardcore deathmatch type matches um, <laughs> recently for uh, Mid Death Pro out of Des Moines. Um, I would say match of the night that night. Thank it you. was, it was my you. favorite by yeah. far. That, that um, honestly is one of my favorite matches I've had in the last few years. Uh, that was physical. That was physical. And I love physical wrestling. Terrifying. Uh-huh. Uh, That's a good way to put it. So uh, what, like, what about deathmatch wrestling is, or like that more like hardcore style with weapons and other items uh what what draws you to that uh i love violence um i just i'll be i'll be honest with you i love violence uh (laughs) it's probably my childhood coming out there there's that indeed evangelical christianity showing through um actually what i i i do love the physicality of deathmatch wrestling now my style of deathmatch wrestling is very strong style mixed in with some fun um at that show when when i do death matches i try to be different i know i won't be the guy who's going to do the holy shit spot of them i like to think i'm relatively attractive i mean i know i've got scars and this big wrinkle through my forehead um but i just my money maker and i try to protect that and I don't mind sharp objects, but I like things I can control. There are certain elements in certain matches, and those guys have, <laughs> oh, my God, my admiration. Glass, barbed wire, fire. Um, I can't control those. I can control thumbtacks. I can control blood. I can control physicality. Guy hits me too hard. Hmm. <laughs> we'll set the tone. Those are the things that I can control. Um, and I love blood. I love blood. I love making people bleed. I love my own blood. Buckets and buckets of fucking blood. I love it. I love it. Guys, I love blood. Oh my God. It is, to me, it is the ultimate aesthetic. It is the, you want to turn the violence up to 10. Pumping blood. And I'm not talking, like, I don't want a little bit of, oh, he busted his eyebrow, he's got a bloody... No, I want blood. I want the crimson mask. I want the Muda scale. And actually at that show, um, I don't spill too much, but I have uh, the honor of having a hand in someone for the first time in their career experiencing that. And oh my God, I loved every fucking second of it. Just, I don't know. I mean, it's maybe it's a little bit of self... Um, uh, self, that's a self-deprecating behavior, self-harm. I don't know. Maybe that is my self-harm is my death match wrestling, but I fucking love it. Um, and it's also a challenge in a sense where like the, the, the mid death pro, 
what was different about it was every match was a death match. So usually when I have these ultra violent hardcore matches, it's sandwiched in between your nice, normal technical wrestling, some high flying, some gaga. So it stands out. It's easy to do. It's the only thing on the card like it. But when you go to an all death match show, that's when it gets, that's what I, I this new challenge I have where, and I don't know, I might lean more into that too, because how do I take four or five matches where everyone's doing the same level of violence? How do I separate myself? How do I differentiate myself? And I think at that first mid-death uh, pro show, we, uh, myself and um, Cito did a really good job of differentiating ourselves from the other matches. I just, I love fucking hitting people and I love getting hit. It's so much fucking fun. Like I said, for me, <laughs> for me, I thought it was match of the night. It was, you brought something out of your opponent that I didn't think that they could do based on what I had seen thus far. And it takes a skilled person to be able to do that. And you know what props to him too? Cause I, I didn't think it was there either. And I have so much respect for him after that one. Um, it wasn't, I mean, the kid can go, the kid can work. He's a great wrestler, great gimmick, great look. Um, I kind of told him the same thing to him. Like, you're real fucking pretty. We got to protect this. He is I was pretty. Just say, you, two, you two are both very pretty. Like, that was probably the prettiest death match in history. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm a soft seven. He's a solid nine. So I just, I had to protect the, protect the face. It was the first time I fought in a single bathroom stall, too. That was fun. Really? Yeah, I've never fought in a bathroom before. I'm just in there thinking to myself, oh, my God, I'm Chris Benoit. And then I was like, terrible reference. Out of the bathroom. <laughs> and and if that means if I'm calling Cito the taskmaster, oh, God, I don't want to do that to him. No disrespect <laughs> to Kevin, but. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> He is not one of the prettiest wrestlers. <laughs> no, no. So on the flip side of your greatest achievement, though, um, what has been the greatest obstacle that you've overcome in wrestling so far? Uh, my lack of athletic ability. <laughs> um, couple, uh, twofold, and they're both myself. Um, well, let's get real for a second. We talk about this outside of here. Um, I'm a manic bipolar. Um, it makes my life interesting sometimes. Right now, it's a very interesting time in my life due to that. Um, so always weathering the storm of my own emotions and my own anxiety. Uh, but one thing I found with professional wrestling is it was also my greatest drug. It is my freedom. It, it, it lifts that weight off of me for that time I'm in there. And then tearing my knee a couple of years ago. That was, I was so ready to quit. You know, I looked at my career and said, you know, you may have peaked. Um, I don't know if you can go up from here. Uh, this is expensive. This is painful. This is a long road to recovery. And are we going to do all that just to go back out there and possibly tear it again? And I said, yes, we are. <laughs> and so those two have been, you know, and then just my kind of how I broke into the business, how I trained, how I came up. Uh, taking several years to get in front of the right people, a la Jason Strife, to learn one, how to get booked, how to talk to promoters, how to present yourself as a professional, um, things I was up against 
and then psychology, match structure. I think that's still everyone's greatest Achilles heel. Um, just and what's hard about wrestling, and if you're watching this right now and you're thinking to yourself, maybe I want to become a wrestler one day. The problem with wrestling is your absolute best is never enough. You can go out there and have, in your opinion, the greatest match you've ever had, the greatest moment, the greatest pop, whatever you want to call it. And there's always someone who's going to do it better. And there's always someone around to tell you that you could have been better. Wrestling is a very dog eat dog world. Um, I got in the nursing hearing that, you know, the old eat the young. Uh, no, in wrestling, everyone eats everyone. Um, everyone's a competition. Everyone's a spot you're trying to take. And so you find people you trust and you love, and then you find people that you despise, and then there's everything in between. And it's always kind of keep everybody at arm's reach and feel each other out. Um, for the most part, everyone I've met in wrestling has been incredibly genuine, generous, giving, um, just fun to be around. But we all watch each other when we do something really well. There's a handful of guys that I cannot wait to get signed because I'm going to live vicariously through them. And to me, it'll be like, if one of us made it, we all made it. And not a lot of guys have that attitude, I don't think. I think there's a lot of disingenuous people in wrestling, unfortunately, because while we're happy for someone for getting a spot in the back of our mind, that could have been our spot. So those are some of my greatest hurdles. It all kind of filters back into how I process the world and information. <laughs> I always think that being based in our area is kind of an obstacle because mm-hmm. there's only so many places you can go. There's only so much attention being put on the area. Um, and then we're just so far from everything else that it's almost a little prohibitive sometimes. That's where, you know, that's my next closest booking if it's not Omaha. I mean, it's four, five, six, 12 hours away. I mean, I'm not complaining, but I mean, I could pack my bags and move to Philly and, you know, hit major wrestling shows within a six hour drive. But those markets are saturated and it's, it's, it's cutthroat out there. It's hard to break in. And, you know, that was the plan originally. Like I said, when I graduated school, was to go to Philly. Um, I could go to the West Coast. But at this point in my life, you know, I've got to balance uprooting my entire life to go do that. I know that weighs on a lot of guys that I talk to now, you know, they're getting sniffs, the feds calling, um, AEW's calling, they're getting tryouts, things like that. And in the back of their mind, it's like, my wife, kids, job, bills, like shit, I got life. So to me that, that I'm almost glad in a way I don't have to deal with that anxiety in my life right now. Yeah. If you're going to go, go before you have all that shit. Right. <laughs> I mean, I could go, I don't have all that. I mean, I got my wife and my dog, but. No babies for this guy. I mean, hard the same. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. But I love kids. Bring them to the shows, buy my merch, whatever. <laughs> Bring them to the shows, let me insult them. <laughs> yeah, let me insult them, threaten them, um, insult your parenting. Come on out, it'll be a good time. They'll remember it forever, I guarantee it. <laughs> come back and get you later you know and that, that's one thing i love about actually while we're, we're talking about that little kid i love wrestling for kids if i could i had this conversation with someone the other day coming home from a show like if you could wrestle for a thousand like 
smart marks. We could wrestle for 200 kids. I would take the 200 kids every freaking day because it's going to be easy and it's going to be fun. And I guarantee you, they're all going to leave and they will remember those interactions the rest of their lives. Cause I do. I remember every time a wrestler yelled at me when I was a kid. And you're coming for them. <laughs> I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm not coming for bully Ray. There is not a chance in hell, <laughs> sir. I was in the wrong. You were in the right. I apologize. So you're calling out Bully Ray on my podcast? No, no, no. I like my asshole in the position it currently is. I don't need it to be over my head. No, I was a shitty little kid with my shitty little friends, and we said shitty little things, and we thought we were so cool. <laughs> and then Devon and Bubba Ray, Jesus Christ, got this far from my face and just, oh my God. Yeah. Note to self. Yeah, yeah. Note to self, don't show up at indie shows with things you've read on dirt sheets because it might be true and people might be upset. <laughs> so, switching gears just a little bit. All right. If you had an action figure of yourself and it was one of the speaking action figures, what would you want it to say and what accessories would it come with? Okay. Okay. Um, can it be a copyright infringement? Can we work out a deal? Yeah, sure. Okay. It would definitely say yee yee. Yee! Um, you know, yee yee, yee nation. Um, Earl Dibbles Jr., if anybody doesn't know where that originated, look him up. Um, that is not my creation. It is the creation of a hilarious country singer and his alter ego. Um, it would definitely say that. Uh, maybe something like, um, there's a snake in my boot. There's a dew in my boot. It's a callback. I'm, I'm using my shoe as my drink holder right now. Uh, um, and probably just, you know, the, somebody get me a beer. I think that's a pretty straightforward one. And then it would have definitely the, the curling motion. That's all it would be. Just have the little lever in the back you push and it just brings, you know, shittily brings a can up to the mouth. That's, that's what it is. So your accessories, would that be a can then? Oh, absolutely. Can of beer, bottle of whiskey. Um, and probably a pillow. I like to nap. <laughs> you do death matches, but also a pillow. <laughs> and I would want it to have the <laughs> most obnoxious eight pack of abs. I mean, I want, I want an action figure that is so <laughs> jacked and lean. Like when people look at it and then look at me, they audibly laugh because of how not it is. That's, that's, yeah. But would, and, would you want it? Now, if it was a to... Joseph one, it would be suited, um, but no, no motion because I don't pander for people. <laughs> but would you have the tattoo on the, the action figure? No, I would not. Actually, if there's one thing, I, I have a Packers tattoo. You might have caught it. You may have caused you to throw up in your keyboard. I don't know. Um, this is one of those like 18 year old decisions um, for, that came from a young man who had not yet figured out his priorities in life. Um, I love the Green Bay Packers. I love professional football. But as a nearly 35 year old man, it is very clearly just a game to me. Um, I'm now watching people play football that are 10, 12 years younger than me. Um, 
the old the only person on my favorite team older than me is the kicker and the quarterback and and a tight end that's gonna play till he's 100 fuck football but no this would not if there's one thing i could redo it would be this tattoo right here because you know what one thing would never get me signed this tattoo right here because i don't think uh the powers that be want to pay every time this shows up on tv you have to get like an armband to go over it yeah i got oh so no that yeah no the the rest of them though absolutely gotta get the relentless tat in there you know the 18th birthday tattoo the weird tribal thing that i don't even know what it means yeah I stopped getting tattoos once I turned 30 because I was like, oh, shit, I got to live with this. <laughs> and I'm just not creative enough. I, I am jealous of people who can put all their favorite pop culture things on their body because what I secretly want is just to run around with a sleeve of Godzilla and Star Wars and just all the wrestling and Pokemon and all the things that I really genuinely love. And I got to be like, okay, you're a grown man. Let's just do that in the privacy of our own home. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, give me some Pikachu ears right on my left ash cheek. Let's go. <laughs> I thought you already had those. We could we could we could have used it. We could have said it was because of your podcast. I went, you know, it's all right, that's we'll find the, another that's, one. That's only fans content. <laughs> it's oh. You know what? I found out. I'm not gonna name it. Being of OnlyFans, this is where it's gonna start to freestyle. I have a feeling. Uh there is a certain well-known professional wrestler you know and his wife very randomly and casually if you're watching right now i'm talking about you motherfucker you know i'm talking about you casually said do you know that he and i have an only fans <laughs> what i think i do know who you're talking about and i went no and i am not interested at all in seeing it like at all <laughs> And then she goes, well, did you know that he has his own? And I was like, fucking send me the link now. <laughs> like, that's the one I want to see. Because I'm going to find it. I haven't found it. It's very well hidden. But when I find it, I'm going to send screenshots of his own junk to him. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. Well, after we're done recording, we'll circle back to this. Uh-huh. Because I have some things that I think I need you to confirm. And also maybe some things I should tell you. So uh, <laughs> I like so where we'll, this is. <laughs> so, okay. so we'll circle okay. back. We'll circle Can we back. get a, the stack after dark? I think that's what we need. But that is a premium platform. If I'm going to bury my friends publicly, you're going to have to pay for it. Let's just. Yep, motherfuckers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have cash at Venmo and PayPal. <laughs> Look, you know what these hands don't have in them? Hot dogs. Okay, let's go. What kind of motions are you, those? Are hot dog motions? Oh no, this is how I got my first title. <laughs> I'm a quick learner. <laughs> <laughs> ah, no, not the money shot. What? Yeah, no? I did, and it's weird. My uncle had nothing to do with professional wrestling. I still, this day, I don't get it. But whatever. How so? <laughs> <laughs> you're loosening me up <laughs> hey that's not my job uh, <laughs> you'd be the best fluffer there ever was because i'm very fluffy uh, <laughs> so moving right along 
This is where I derail your podcast, by the way. Brilliant. This is the stuff that I would like to think people enjoy listening to. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. off-the-cuff, like, random, strange things. With, with random, strange people like yourself. <laughs> oh, the strangest. That's why we get along, and that's why I like you. And that's why we've been friends for 10 years. Absolutely. That, and you legitimately give the best <laughs> hug in all of professional wrestling. It is, it is. If you're a professional wrestler out there and Val comes to you and is nice enough to say hello and spend her money on you, give this woman a hug if she's okay with it, because it will be the best hug you've ever gotten in your life. Like I go out of my way to find Val at every show and give her two hugs. Hello and goodbye. Aw, bless. I enjoy your hugs, Joseph. (laughs) I'm a hugger too. And a bald head kisser. So would you rather go back in time and wrestle yourself for your first match or go forward in time and wrestle yourself five years from now? Oh my God. That is wild. Um, shit. You know, past because in eight minutes, I could teach that kid more than he's going to learn in the next three years. Legitimately. Um, Five years from now, I don't know what that would look like. And given the direction my body feels now, that's probably not going to be a very entertaining match. Ah, uh, definitely young me. There's just those little tips and tricks we talked about earlier. I could fill that kid's head with so much shit, he'd, he'd explode. Um, I mean, just to, as I'm shooting him off the rope, just to give him some life advice, you know? <laughs> Duck one and watch out for that bitch. <laughs> Don't worry, she's not watching. <laughs> I'm sure not. <laughs> no. That because is coming I, from my past. No one in my I presence. I know you're not talking about your, your beautiful wife that I love Oh, so God, much. no. No, no, no. Just some other people who um, hindered my uh, my professional career, we'll say. Bitches. Bitches? <laughs> nah, men suck, too. We all suck. Humanity sucks. Everyone can be a bitch. <laughs> I've been one right now, I think. <laughs> Not to you. I'm going to yeah, say no. Okay. Right. <laughs> so um, if you could create your own title, what would it be for and how would it be defended? So what, mm. like, what would you call it? Would there be any special stipulations? Like, mm. Mm. I think it would be kind of like a, like a bar fighting champion um it'd be it'd be a solid mid-card title um it'd be a fun it'd be a not necessarily like a let them up kind of match title but it would be more more of a strong style title um it'd be a match that would be you know defended in with some lax rules um with more of an emphasis on punching each other in the head than you know catch as catch can uh that would probably i don't i gotta come up with a cool name for it though um, however, Joseph Anderson could definitely create some form of pompous ass title, but then I'm treading into those murky Ted DiBiase infringement waters. I'm trying would... very hard not to be the Indies MJF right now too. I'm really trying to separate myself. I'm not, I'm not some silver spoon rich kid. I was a fucking hillbilly who figured out how to invest his money. Okay. I'm still country as fuck. <laughs> Just got to get a couple of beers in you. Mm, oh, that's the reaction. I guess they're going. <laughs> <laughs> Jodos are still in there. Oh, 
Joe Dozer is the guy I want to be. And Joseph Anderson is the guy I need to be. And Joey Anderson is the guy that you are. And you are lovely. Just, I really am, you know, I Mick Foley. That's another guy, another influence. I I will, I am so sorry, universe, for not saying his name. That's another guy who definitely heavily influenced me. And right now I am slowly becoming him. I mean, I walk with a shuffle, um, not all of that. I'm, you know, not teeth knocked out, but just like I'm kind of losing grip on reality and which me is running the show and sometimes even in my my day-to-day life. Sometimes I, I have a mentality of the dozer and sometimes of the pompous asshole Joseph. And it's it's an it's interesting. You know, the, the greatest gimmicks are one you can can just be extensions of the real you. And or sometimes you make the real you an extension of your gimmick. Wow, it's getting deep here on the stack. Art, art truly imitates life, or life imitating <laughs> art. Whatever, how you know those both work because I don't really know who's in control most days, <laughs> and that's not schizoaffective. That's just me not, you know, not quite knowing which one of my fictional characters I should let out today. So. Uh... What is the wrestling word that you use most outside of wrestling? Mm, so many, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, K5, I say way too much. Um, <laughs> shoot. You shoot in sentences where people at work now know what shoot means. Um, heel. I describe everything bad in the word, world as being a heel. Which, I mean, I think that term is universally known, too, through literature. And it was a very common term 100 years ago. What are some other ones I use? Um, Gimmick. I say gimmick a lot. Um, Especially, like, if I'm trying to describe something. I'm just going, you know, the the fucking, the thing, the gimmick. I would be like, the toaster? Like, yeah, the fucking gimmick. You know, or, you know, I want to, you know, the fucking gimmick. What's, like, yeah, a pop. (laughs) Like, just shit like that random things like that yeah so that question i ask um everybody i most often hear the word gimmick by the way Uh part of me wonders it's because if y'all got hit in the head so many times you just can't describe shit so you're like "Ah, gimmick (laughs) but also you inspired that question in me and you and probably danny and michelle were walking out of some random bar we did a show at you're the sober one you need to remember the details uh it was last summer or, oh, oh. Uh, oh the, the beer garden yes yes we're getting there we're getting there oh it wasn't in that place yes but i know what you're talking yeah, about yeah yeah <laughs> we were leaving and we were just all like talking but we were all using wrestling words and i was like man i use way too many wrestling words outside of wrestling i'm not even a wrestler it's it's to me i think like before i was ever a wrestler i was using wrestling terms because i thought i was in and i was cool and you know i've heard old school guys talk about you need know, to protect the business don't use the fucking you know the terms in front of the marks which i hate that word too fucking marks not marks you're people that are nice enough to pay your fucking hard-earned money to watch me fall around for 40 minutes you know like 40 minutes like yeah right like like, like joseph four. when was the last time you had a 40 minute <laughs> yeah that's me putting my boots on 
here's 40 minutes of work. Good God. Now I swear you kids were kick pads. Shit. I'm going to be a real man and get some boots. Damn, 30 eyelets later. That's one leg. Uh, yeah, it's just, that's one of my favorite things too. And I tell people like about wrestling who aren't involved in wrestling. And I'm like, yeah, I guarantee you, especially women, I own underwear that costs more than anything in your closet. And I own boots that cost more than anything in your closet. And then I think secretly, I think I just, I, I cross-dressed for fun on my weekends, which not here to judge, uh, which again, we're now we're just spitballing Magnum show we had at the, um, at the brewery. Oh my God. We're talking about achievements and just favorite moments that show and that moment I had was incredible. I mean, um, so set the stage. We did a, it was kind of like a brunch show with bottomless mimosas. I've never wrestled for so many women in my life. There were probably 150 women and like four men, these four husbands that I got drug into this. And what was awesome was it was wrestling. And then in between we had, um, there were some drag shows with some incredible performers and me being the evil guy that I am. I said, I get here and, and I realized I'm wrestling uh, uh, the impeccable Donnie Pepper Cricket in the worst drag I've ever seen in my life. Um, that was my this was, <laughs> And this was all done in good taste. I want everyone to listen to this. No, I mean, their performers were a part of this. And I, I pulled the gentleman aside, uh, Joe DeSante, who helped throw this whole thing together. Big shout out for Joe. And I said, one of these women have got to kick my ass. I mean, these the, we have to blend these two together. And he got the wheels turned and I came up with an idea. And I mean, she was so on board for it. Um, the only thing I regret is when we're in the back and we're going over her spot to come out. And after I do my dastardly things and she comes to make the save, which what a reaction. I mean, this is just, I could never wear whatever it was she was wearing. There was so much skin showing and just, she was just beautiful and just watching her drag this chair down. But in the back, we're going over it. And I'm so worried because, you know, people outside of wrestling, when they get physical in wrestling, they don't bring it. You know, if you've ever watched anybody, not who, an actor or a celebrity, very few times do they bring it. Usually get like a little whiff like that. And I'm just thinking if she comes out and gives me just this little love tap across the back with this chair, this play is going to fall flat. So I just kept telling her, you have to hit me. You won't hurt me. Swing for the fences. Val. No. She swung through me. Holy shit. She hit me. And I was like, God damn, she used to be a five-star fucking athlete. Holy shit. Yeah. One of the hardest chair shots I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and, but it was incredible. And I, I hope we get to do it again sometime. Oh my God. I just went off from a complete tangent right there. I'm sorry. Oh, no, don't be sorry though. That's like the fun. Like I have questions because some people I need to have questions with, right? Like some people <laughs> I need to have questions with people that I don't know as well, or sometimes people that aren't comfortable. But number one thing I know about you is that you're very comfortable talking to people. Number, number two thing I know about you is that we just, we just know each other because we've been friends for so long. So for me, like the questions are just kind of there, but like that stuff, like that's the good, like, that's my favorite part of the, of, like doing a podcast. Again, those like little stories out that like, where else would you tell that? 
yeah exactly like you know i'm gonna tell a random person and they're gonna be like you fought a drag queen you're a piece of shit like you know what i mean like, no context friends it's all and believe me i got my ass kicked um <laughs> i will say though what what made me laugh is uh after she laid me out because i made the challenge that i could fight any woman in the room you know i mean i'll go old school with it we don't have some of those old school just heat seekers and on this what i love on the indie scene you can get away with it more so than tv where somebody's gonna clip me saying that and make me the ultimate bad guy what i what i love about wrestling too is a person can say something in a promo in a match that might be a little mm, 2022 but this, the great thing about psychology is, is after I get the shit kicked out of me and left laying in a puddle of my own oomph, the great lesson to society, people who say bad things have consequences, you know? And to me, that's why I love being a bad guy where it's like, I will always, the good guy's always going to get their come up on me because that's the story we're telling. And, and I, I will always, always, always do that. But I loved when, how she pinned me. So she lays me out. I laid the challenge out. She comes out, hits me with the chair. And then she does the Chris Jericho, you know, one foot on. But as I'm laying there laid out, I feel the daintiest little high heel just like on my forearm. And I'm like, oh, she's pinning me so cute. She's afraid she's going to hurt me. And then I, and then Nani goes, no, here. And then I feel just a hoof in my balls. <laughs> It's like we're corrupting people. That's what professional wrestling is doing. We're corrupting people. I mean, you do it now. It corrupted you. It did. And we're just it passing did. it on to the masses. I mean, okay. yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I will pass it on to the masses. But if you're 16 and you approach me at a show and you ask me, what do I do to become a professional wrestler? The first thing I'm going to tell you is don't. So. <laughs> because of that you just don't, don't want you just don't want those young boys to take your spot my fucking spot Val. they can do flips and shit have you seen it it's wild god these damn. damn kids back in my day there's like six guys doing flips now there's like six guys throwing punches fuck get off my wrestling lawn oh so we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier but um you live here so you're driving to go to shows most of the time you've been wrestling for 15 years you've been driving to go to shows the whole time it's been driving driving to go to shows just driving so what do you like to listen to when you drive oh yes now we're talking um so my music taste will usually be dictated by kind of my state of mind um i'm a metal guy though um you know, new metal, death metal, all the metal. I love metal. Um, I grew up listening to emo music. Um, you know, I think um, musically, this explains to wrestling connection. Um, like the first bad CD I was ever allowed to buy was Limp Biscuit, Chocolate Starfish. Obviously because of my way. And I'll never forget my mom. I was in like the seventh or eighth grade and I had that thing on and I'm just running through the house. Just, you know, and she's like, okay. I will take that if I ever hear you say that shit again. I was like, okay, I have to contain this. This has to be private, just me. And then like from there, it was, it was really, my music taste was reflected of, of like what was going on in wrestling at that time. So like drowning pool, you know, wrestling really introduced me to metal. Now, now, yeah, now we're, 
I'm not in like if I'm in a bad mood, we'll do some like heavy, heavy, heavy death metal. Um, but just you know, a little emo, a little metal here and there. Uh, band specifically, I'm listening to um, Falling in Reverse. Um, Asking Alexandria is like my go-to right now. Yeah, I like a little bit of you know, it's a little bit of that poppy punk. Um, I mean, well, I, I love pop punk. My stuff. I just you know, have so- like a personal distaste for Falling in Reverse because that's there's a that's Ronnie Radke, yeah. Front man's not the greatest, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, not. I, I used, mean, that's putting it one way. I used to scream, you know, rooftops at the top of my lungs um, back in the day. Um, what was that band? And then from the Lost early, Profits. Lost Profits, and then you're like, oh my Big god, pedo. I can never sing that again. Bad. Yeah, uh, I heard that in a Burger King once, <laughs> and I was actually, like, I was like, oh no. <laughs> you really want to know like my go-to band? Like, yeah, the army I belong to, Hollywood Undead. I fucking love Hollywood Undead. They are, I know, I know. That's actually my wife and I met because of a Hollywood Undead concert. I fucking love, I just love that like fucking angst. I I don't know, just. You know, hmm. I will not shit on that simply because, so I've seen Hollywood Undead a couple times. Yeah. And um, one of the times I saw them, it was because a band I was friends with was opening for them at the time. So after the show, like I was hanging out with my friend's band and like Hollywood Undead and some of the nicest band guys I've ever hung out with. Like I've never heard like, like I, I think the guys that lyrically come across as just these wild assholes. Yeah. It is. It's, it's, they're just, uh-huh. it's a gimmick guys. It's a gimmick. You know what I mean? It's, they're not, yes, that may be their thought, but we always take things a little too far sometimes, you know, I think they exaggerate who they are as real people um bring me the horizons one i'm listening to a ton of right now um really yeah it's my thing i I, asking alexander is probably like my i'm just they're on repeat right now but what what i hate is that they're two different bands but they're the same band because even the style of music is as we bounce through lead singers throughout a couple different albums you know i want to go to a concert and i want to get the black but I'm not going to get the black album because that's just not, I guess, I don't know. I've never seen them live. So I'm, I'm really curious to see like what they play when you go to see them live. And then I love anytime I can get like a feature and find like a, was it the Nova twins? I found them through a bring me the horizon collab they did. And so I'll listen to them every once in a while, kind of into like um, female metal right now too. I think that's awesome. Um, Sleeping with sirens is another one I really enjoy right now. Um, trying to think things i'm terrible with names and faces too uh you know slipknot disturbed um obviously you know the my ogs of metal i'm from iowa i don't like fucking slipknot i might as well leave um you did yeah (laughs) Uh, papa roach papa roach is another big one big influence on me early on um i listened to a lot of papa roach and i was like a bitchy 15 year old yeah 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 uh, it's a little poppy now, but I mean, everybody gets that way if they want to go mainstream. I'm always late to music too. I'm not like a scene guy. So like by the time I find a band, I'm like, oh, this is like a four-year-old fucking album. I wish I would have had this in the moment, um, but I'm okay with it. I'm getting old too. Like, you know, music's not my life. And podcasts, I love podcasts. Wrestling, um, Bischoff, pretty much the fucking Conrad series I'm I'm down for. Um and I love my, my, my favorite podcast is a uh, small town murder and I give them a cheap plug. 
It's uh, two comedians. They're assholes, not scumbags. And basically they take horrific small town murder stories and uh, they make a comedy podcast out of it. It's all it's done in, in such great taste. It's they do it meticulous research. It's it's wonderful. And then they have another podcast called Crime and Sports, where for three hours they just it's a mini bio of of a dumbass professional athlete, and they just cover all the dumb shit they did in their life. And they do wrestlers, which is awesome. I mean, they've covered Marty, Kurt Angle. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So much dumb shit in professional wrestlers' lives. Oh god, and it's it's endless. It's like it's never ending. The people that they could cover, uh, yeah. So that's I mean, a pretty typical guy. I'm trying to Fair think enough. what my like uh, my guilty pleasure if no one's in the car. Two thousands boy bands. What would you say is like the most surprising song on any of your playlists? The thing that we would go, oh, you listen to that. There's some random 80s music, some random 80s pop. Like, you'll just be, it'll be like metal, 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 soft rock, metal, 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 higher love. You know, <laughs> it'll be something like that. It'll just be very random songs spread out that just make me feel good. Um, I mean, Sia. I like Sia. I know that's real. Um, more of her like very airy, breathy kind of songs. Um, Steve Winwood is I, not a bad guy. I, yeah. I have, no, he's not. Um, I have I, my, uh, and then like, yeah, like a random like Backstreet Boys song from like 1997. I'll be like, what just happened? But if, if you're in you a car like, full of wrestlers, they will sing along to Backstreet Boys. Oh yeah, they will. Oh, the most hardened, scarred death match still with glass stuck in their fucking eye will sing my way at the top of their lungs. Or what's the fucking line? Oh my God. That I way. want it that way. That way. I want it that way. My way. Limp biscuit. I mean, you know, that too. Wow, that's a good, you got some fun questions. I like these. Thanks. So I'm a snack source Rex. I love snacks. I'm a snack girl. What mm. are your like favorite snacks? Like coming home from wrestling road trip? Oh, okay. So like, one of my- when you stop it, when you stop at the gas station, like what are you grabbing? So it used to be corn nuts, but I actually got banned from eating corn nuts on the road because I have a problem with keeping track of all of the corn nuts. Um, yeah, ask Big Sean about that sometime. I fucking, somehow I lost more corn nuts than I ate, but it was How like many? they kept multiplying. Like it was, it was, no, it was like the corn nuts were, were reproducing in his backseat. It was, there's no, like a normal bag would not have contained the amount of corn nuts that were in his car. And I still ate some. So um, other than that, I love cheese. I fucking love cheese, meat sticks. I'm a big, like, you give me a Slim Jim. Like, oh, yeah. I'll be on the toilet for two hours afterwards. But uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm not a sweet candy guy. I like chocolate, though. I have a horrible, horrible sweet tooth and baked goods. Um, I love to bake. It's actually one of my side passions. I love to bake. I'm a decent cook. I'm okay. You know, I love to grill. Um, I make like four or five things really well. Um, but I get frustrated when I cook something and it doesn't come out right. Cause I'm kind of a perfectionist with that. So, but baking, I love baked goods, cookies, cupcakes, cheesecake. If gas stations sold cheesecake, it would be fucking game over. And I find some along the road that do. And then I have to question whether I'm going to eat it or not. Hmm. But there, there is a specific gas station on our way from Omaha to any any show north, south, Dakota, hitting Canada. 
and it's a Pizza Hut Subway Cinnabon combination gas station. And it is like, it's, it's a ritual. We have to stop. I've actually had guys get shoot mad at me because I drove, I drove past it. Where you is it? The whole trip. It is in, is it Vermilion? Is, is it the one? Is it the you, coffee cup? Yes. You know it. I've been there. I'm from South Dakota. Every oh, time, right. every time I go home, I drive by the coffee cup. It's sometimes it's, I stop. So actually what, anytime I wrestle in North Dakota, what I'll do is I'll get mini cinnamon buns and I'll put them in my bag and they're like my post-match reward. Aw. I'll eat a little, you know, my little carb lobe after a, you know, grueling eight to 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, the coffee cup, I would like, coffee cup is a good road, road trip mm-hmm. stop. If everyone was like that, it would be wonderful. Um, but yeah, if I meant like a QT, I'm a big taquito guy. Just little fucking corn dogs they have. Chef's kiss. Uh, Casey's pizza hits oh, the spot I mean, every time. Yeah. When I'm yeah. on my way home from anywhere, like if I can find a Casey's, no matter how late it is, I know there's a, a very good chance I'm going to have at least a slice of like old cheese pizza to eat and yes. it will be delicious. And don't sleep on Casey's tenderloins or their um, sausage sandwiches. Because basically, just take the sausage from the pizza, mix it with the marinara, throw some cheese on, put that thing through the oven. It's pretty good hmm. for like four bucks. It's not a bad sandwich. I would, I would smash that. Oh, I smashed a few in my day. Few in my day. <laughs> oh God, now you're me hungry. Why'd you go and do that? I haven't ate yet today. What eat? Yeah. I eat like once a day. Is what Joseph. it is. Joseph, we'll talk about that later. Uh, nurses who, don't stop. <laughs> who are your road buddies? Like, who are you, who are you going to go out if someone says, "Joe, bring me a car load"? Who are you bringing? Oh, so the OG car. Um, if I could pull anyone I want from any point in time, it's going to be me, uh, Duke Cornell, um, Sean Nautilus, and Bogot. Um, now if I can throw a couple extra people in that car, I want to get me some Donnie pepper cricket in there. Um, you know, JC Slater is one of the, (laughs) he's just fucking great to have in a car. He is just the epitome of innocence without being innocent whatsoever. I I just, I, if you don't know Slater, if you know him, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, great car guy, uh, just a guy who won't shut up in the best of ways. Like he keeps the ride fun. Like I love it. And I've been riding with some, um, some young guys here lately too. I've really been enjoying that um, with the uh, Brixton Nash and um, big Kyle and oh, Jamison McGregor and uh, Nino hatchet. Heal up, buddy. Heal up. We'll see you soon. Tore uh, arm. That sucks. But yeah, just guys that are cool. Um, I can tell you who I absolutely never want to be in the car with again, but <laughs> his name's probably been on your show before is it somebody we can't talk about because he did some things oh fuck that guy just top to bottom yeah (laughs) no um which is weird you brought him i found uh like it was like a facebook promo back in the day when i used to do those things and it was me referring to this person and it was right after we did a certain angle where things were very personal but when I read it, it, the context would have fit any situation. And it was, it was very, it was like, you fucking piece of shit. And I was like, I had to stop. And I was like, 
what was this about? Did I publicly? And I was like, oh, okay. No, um, you might know who they are. Everyone who saw that knows exactly who I'm talking about. Mm. You've, we have Brian and I talked about him, I think, when you had Brian on. I was <laughs> dropping some breadcrumbs for him. <laughs> Let's just say, young wrestlers, um, word of advice. If you get to get in the car with some guys who've been around for a little bit, it's because they like you. Um, if you can't pay for gas, make sure you say that up front. Doesn't bother me. I'm comfortable at this point in my life. I'll cover you, man. But if you can't contribute for gas, and every time we stop at a gas station, you buy $30 worth of fucking shit, we're going to have a conversation when we get home. So just some cool shit like that certain people do that annoy the fuck out of me. Don't make <laughs> me late. Control your fluids. I know that's that sounds weird to say. Uh, if you're in the car for 12 hours, we have a schedule to keep. We have to get there by call time. Learn to hold your fucking piss or don't drink a gallon of water on the way up. And coming home, we really want to get home. So don't ask to pee every five seconds or learn to piss in a bottle. So road etiquette with Joey Anderson. <laughs> you know, actually, I, I, I think I can tell people more, like when it comes to advice, people ask me for advice. I have way more what not to fucking ever do than to tell you how to do something, but I can definitely tell you mistakes either I've made or I've watched other people make. That's my contribution to the next generation. Don't fuck up like me. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, that's important too. It is. It's, it's, and I find not a lot of kids get taught that aspect uh, of wrestling. You know, they, they know etiquette in the locker room. They know etiquette in the ring. They know how to work a great match, but it's like, your trainer didn't tell you the rules of the road. <laughs> Mainly what it means when I pull over and take my pants off, but that's another story. <laughs> oh, stop. Sorry, I was kidding. <laughs> uh, no, you weren't. <laughs> it's like, you know, I feel a little uncomfortable on a car ride sometimes. It eases the tension and it lets them know they're one of us. <laughs> I will always, I will always try to make someone uncomfortable in the nicest of ways. It's an icebreaker. <laughs> so, um, do you have any pre-match rituals? Uh, a couple. Um, like I fight myself into the boots for 40 minutes. Um, that happens before every match. Um, and then about every third match, I'll put my boots on and I forget, I forgot I don't have my knee pads on yet. So we do the ritual all over again. Those are my favorite ones. Um, I've actually almost quit wrestling mid-boot. I'm just like, I'm fucking done. Uh, this is it. Uh, yes, yeah, so we do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're ever sitting in a crowd and you hear an audible, God fucking damn it, from the locker room. It's because I forgot to put my knee pads on first and I have to start all over. Just put them on over your boot. Goddamn boots are fucking huge. Tiny ass knee pads to keep my knees from falling apart while I wrestle. So uh, after that ritual, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that shit, I got her. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. 
I wish I could say I'm making that up too. That is not. I fucking hate my boots with a fucking passion. Every now and again, and it seems to happen more with people that I know fairly well. Somebody will get me going, and I just I just can't. I just I just have to stop. <laughs> uh, and there's, there's oh shit, I can't get her back. We lost her. <laughs> I think I'm okay. <laughs> so the boots. The boots. Um, after the boots, um, I always wear the same socks. I have the same. I, I wash them every time I wrestle, but I have the same. The same. They're my good luck socks. Um, basically my rule is I wear the same pair of socks until I tear my ACL and then I throw that pair away and start a new pair. So we're on my second pair of lucky socks. They're lucky till they're not is how I look at it. Um, it's two mismatched Packer socks. What it is, it's actually the other pair I used to wear were mismatched pair of socks. I threw those away and then replaced them with the mismatched pair that I had left behind. <laughs> Cause I'm cheap too. Um, and then there's a certain group of guys that I've come up with and we have kind of like a secret handshake we do before anybody walks through the curtain. And it's just like Aww. a little, um, basically it's, I love you, be safe, see ya, you know, on the other side, kind of. Um, <clears throat> and then usually I also need a couple of minutes to myself, um, more of a kind of find myself, get that in that right headspace, kind of turn it on. As you can see, I'm kind of a fun loving guy. I'm just, I'm, I make, you know, I take life kind of lightly because life's always kicking my ass. And so, you know, to, to become that vicious, malicious person, it's in there. I just have to go, got to go to that place to get them. And then when I'm done, I got to put them away. <laughs> got to stay inside the ring. Um, but yeah, nothing too wild. So what is your favorite move to take and what is your favorite move to give? Oh, favorite move to take. When I was young, I would tell you any kind of high and tight suplex. As a 35-year-old man, I will tell you no high and tight suplexes. So probably my least favorite move to take would be anything where I land here, this general region. Um, oh, it's a fun move to take. Honestly, I love taking stuff off the top. Kind of always, when it's done right and you can build to that moment, like a big superplex, I, I kind of get off on that like, oh, got that big free fall and you don't know when the ring's going to hit you. One of those moments where it's a split second, but life seems to slow down, you know, like 500%. Um, love stuff off the top rope. Um, pile drivers. I like taking pile drivers if I know and trust the guy because they look so vicious. Uh, Duke Cornell gives a, a phenomenal fucking pile driver. Um, and then favorite move to give Sky High. My favorite move to give people because I really don't have to do that much work. To me, it's all about the safe landing you know, guiding them down, making sure we take a nice flat, even bump. But what I love telling guys is this is your bump. I get low and I explode. How high you want to go is totally up to you. And I've had two instances where I've lost them. They jumped so high as I pushed. And like, I, what I mean by I lost them, like I throw them up and like their shoes are here. Like their fucking boots are at my forehead. And it's like, oh my God, I have to get them, pull them back down so we can land the bump safely. I just love that. To me, it's like, how high can a guy get? And now I'm like, and I love D'Lo Brown, huge mark for D'Lo Brown. If you don't know what the sky high is, <laughs> that's you for not respecting D'Lo Brown. Um, basically, it's a big, big up, sit out spine buster. I mean, nothing wild, but yes, D'Lo. Fuck 
love D'Lo Brown. I love D'Lo Brown. Love. I was a huge D'Lo Brown mark when I was a kid. I do the thing with my neck, but I'll break it. Mark Henry, <laughs> some sexual chocolate? Uh, the 90s, what can I say? Uh, that's my favorite move to give guys, just because it's a nice, high impact. It looks fucking cool as shit. And not a lot of guys are throwing it right now. Fair enough. So I know you've been around a while. You've been, you've been to a lot of wrestling. Um, you good? Oh, I just knocked, about knocked my computer onto the floor. Who amongst uh, yeah. us? Whoops. <laughs> so um, because you've been around a while, you've gone to a lot of wrestling shows, you either have one or both of these things. One, first thing, a travel story, a really good travel story, where either something really crazy happened, something really exciting happened, something really funny happened, or you like almost died. I know the people you ride with. I know that you have this story. Second story. You show up to a booking and you get there and you go, what in the absolute fuck is this? So now is your time, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Anderson, to tell your delightful road stories. Oh, my God. I'm going to give me a second here because one, I need to make sure I can tell them. So I need to find if you need to censor any names, go right ahead. Okay. We don't need um, to call anybody out unless they really fucking deserve it. Wildest fucking. Oh. Because I know, know you, you've told me some stories about um, your North Dakota trips. Like things that actually happened in the car on the way up or things that happened in North Dakota as a product of driving a car to North Dakota. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so ultimately, my absolute fucking favorite place to go of all time is is North Dakota. I know people are like North Dakota. My not North Dakota of all places too. There have been some incredible promotions from back in the day, um, outlaw wrestling um, to fully loaded wrestling to where we are now with Cloud Nine. And we used to do these double shots back in the day. So every show you would go to, you'd work Friday and Saturday night. We would all fly to get there because if you were the first car that got to the show, you got to be the bar room. And what I mean when I say that is a lot of truckers, um, laborers would, would pass through this town military and they'd stay at this hotel and they'd leave behind their beer. The hotel would collect every unopened can or bottle of beer and store it until the next wrestling show. And when you showed up, they literally gave you a dolly, like a, a luggage dolly full of booze for free. That was what the hotel just gave to us because they loved us. And so you would take part of that into the after party room and part of that back to your room. And so you would be the party room. And so on several occasions that would happen. Um, man, I fucking love that place. Just, I have memories of just like, sitting up till six in the morning talking to people like Darren Corbin about life and wrestling and just I, 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 I those moments I hold so fondly um some of the wild ones so one of my favorites was it was my birthday and we're up there this is probably like 2016 2017 uh Gangrel's on the show fucking love gang and was everybody else up there like Cannon Corbin Matt Cage like you know some some fun Midwest guys 
and I mean this you're talking about a fucking party crew um <laughs> Christian Rose Packers literally lose in the playoffs in overtime on like a huge pass so I'm I just want to go to bed I'm upset it's my birthday and the boys are like come on Joey you're going out you're fucking drinking so I'm like all right I'll go have a couple so we go to the party room wasn't mine and we're hanging out well fucking Gangrel finds out it's my birthday and he's like all right chop line god fucking damn it so we make a line anybody who's been in the business by one day longer than me gets to chop me it's like nine guys in this fucking room so they line me up as they're hitting me, I hear the door open. Here comes the rest of the locker room to take their place in line. So I get shot by maybe a good 16, 17 guys. The go home is Gangrel, who fucks me up. I mean, chop, 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 punch, 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 elbow, 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 kiss, happy birthday. I mean, the eight-year-old in me is like, I just got beat up by Gangrel on my birthday. Oh, my God. Well, right after Gangrel does that, so the company at the time is ran by two guys. And one of them's kind of like the booker. One of them's kind of like the promoter, the money guy. Well, the booker guy, the story guy, jumps into the last second. He chops me. I've never seen Eric Cannon let the air out of a room so fast. It was amazing. Um, so long story short, you know, that was a moment that was very, um, it, it was like, it was, a, it was a brotherhood thing. You know, it was them showing their, you know, to me, it was admiration, respect, camaraderie, and then a person who wasn't supposed to jump in. Well, the boys got together and decided that because of that transgression, he now got the same chop line. So he pulled his shirt off, held his arms back, and one by one, the guys went through and gave him chops. He's a good sport about it. He'd also been drinking. This guy happens to drink a little bit, get a little wild with the boys. And it's my turn to go last. Get my hand back. I'm ready to do my thing. And the money guy looks at me and he goes, if he's still standing after this, I'll never fucking book you again. This place pays me really well. I look at the guy and I said, I'm so sorry. And I just, with my whole arm, just, it wasn't a chop. It was, I threw my body through him and he hit the floor, lights out. We threw him in bed and began partying. <laughs> I can't tell the rest of the story. Let's just say things broke down into um, a collection plate being passed around to see who could um, really fuck with this guy a little bit more. <laughs> Nothing happened. It was all in good fun. Um, and I'll just never forget some fans made their way into the, into the party that night. And one guy asked for a chop and I lost, I lost him in the crowd. And I just remember finding him later and his chest looked like raw hamburger meat because he wanted to hang out with the boys. He hung out with the boys. All right. Um, as far as like nearly dying, uh, there's one time Devin Thomas, I was, we were in a car, I think it was me, uh, Red Wing, I think it might've been Dookie. And I swear to God, Devin Thomas fell asleep with his eyes open at the wheel. Cause like he is driving. And all of a sudden I, like his eyes are like this. And all I hear is. And I'm like, fucking falling asleep, man. I don't know what happened. Well, because we hit so much shit, we're like, I can see our exit to Omaha as, as we blow a tire. And so we get out and we're like, well, let's change this thing. We're like, we got fucking Red Wing. What do we need a tire hitch for? Let's just 
kid lift the car you know you're you're yeah, freaking yeah. house so we've got red wing under there the tire like lodges and jams and so we do have the thing up on the jack well red wing can't get this tire straight so he just starts hitting the son of a bitch the car falls off the frame <laughs> the lift it drops and there's this like three seconds where no one says anything we look at each other i'm just like is red wing alive <laughs> and he's just yeah <laughs> I mean, he's under the car and the car is like here. Like I can, you can't. He's not a a small man. No, he is huge. I mean, he probably would have been fine. He'd have just pressed the car, you know, with that, you know, mother in distress strength and thrown it over a hill. Um, And then the one that always gets me to this day, it was probably 10 years ago, but me and Duke Cornell were coming home from a show and we stopped at a gas station. And I think it was a figment of our imagination because we walked in and we'll, we always refer to it as the wrench station because we walked in and I'm telling you there's, there's, it's like a gas station, but there's nothing there. Like, I mean, there's like a Snickers, a half drinking diet Mountain Dew and some old ass coffee. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I buy the fucking half drink Pepsi. I'm like, let's get the fuck out of here. And I go back and get in the car. And if you've ever been anywhere to do Cornell boys who have ridden with him, you'll know this, this dude will grocery shop at the smallest gas station you've ever seen. Like he will walk around and touch every, and just, he is in the moment with his snack. And he, back then I used to say, why does it take you all fucking day? You're going to leave with the Danish. I know I already bought it for you. Let's fucking go. So I think, you know, so Duke's in there just walking around trying to find the fucking one Danish. He thinks the guy's hiding. Well, as I'm paying for my, you know, the lone Pepsi in this place, Dude has one long dangly earring. I mean, shit, you're not hanging off the end of it. Probably about this big is a fucking wrench. And I got back in the car and we both looked at each other. And as we back out, he just looks at me and he goes, did we almost get raped? And I said, yes, we did. And we peeled out. We've never been able to find this gas station ever again. Ever. The only thing I can think is we were in the middle of Nebraska, the middle of freaking not. And we were maybe an hour outside of Omaha. I cannot remember which direction. Either they tore it down or we snubbled into some freaking Twilight Zone shit. (laughs) When I saw Wrench, I was like, this makes no sense to me. Because Wrench on the outside looked like every like bad 1980s indie wrestler you can think of. Mullet, the hair. I'm big, but I'm big. Like, and then he turned his head, this dangly earring, just twinkle in his eye. Just a little too brown now for me. So yeah, we got the fuck out of there. So I wonder where it was. Um, but also like maybe you like glitch in the matrix. Or it was just collective psychosis from concussions. For both of you though? I know, right? I mean, maybe we just convinced ourselves afterwards we would happen. I don't know. Weird. Yeah, I mean, Duke back in the day and that and getting pulled over every time I stepped foot in Missouri. Hmm. Not me. I'm never driving, but Duke would be in. I swear to God, we couldn't get through the state of Missouri without me, one of their finest. And we came up with a plan, but we never got to execute it. I am, I am pale. If you, you know, catch me outside of tanning season, I am ghostly pale. Like in your puff is God sign back there. That is what my chest looks like. The white on is there. 
And so he said, if we ever got pulled over again, we're just going to tell the cops that we're speeding because I'm going into a diabetic coma, <laughs> my blood sugar drop. And I would just, you know, drool a little bit and just lay back in the seat, a little wide eyed and I'd be like, God damn, your friend, white as a ghost, get out of here. Get that boy a Snickers. Never. So if you're on the road, young boys, just do whatever you can to get out of a ticket. <laughs> yeah. Or that, okay, we almost did die one time. I almost got shot by a cop. What? Yeah. Well, um, this was, uh, again, Duke was driving. And uh, we had a referee from back in the day named Scott Crowther. And uh, we're driving. I we remember. were in. Yeah. We're Scott. Yep. Old ginger ref. He was a good ref, too. Like, I wish he would have stuck with it. That guy actually probably could have been on TV now. He was a really good ref. Ah. Uh, yeah, well, sometime we'll do a podcast about referees specifically, because you want me to air some grievances. Young referees, I have some grievances to be aired with you. Holy shit. Um, do not fucking ref in shorts. I swear to God, I will not fight the guy, and I will legitimately fight you if I see your ass out there in shorts. Black press pants, dress shoes, tuck your shirt in, buy a belt. Okay? Maybe a watch. Crazy. Okay, off that right you're not a part of the show. You are, but you're not. Don't get over. Your job is to make sure you're the referee and we follow the rules. They're not there to see you. Uh, um, hmm. What was I saying? Where was I going? I just got on a tirade about fucking. You're talking about getting almost shot by a cop. Oh, almost getting shot by a cop. Yes. So we're. Unless that's like, happened more than once. We're like a. Bl- um, my first time driving a car. I'll tell you that story next. Yeah. Legit. I was stopped for terrorism. Um, mm-hmm. legit 15 years old with learning permit. But, uh, so this time we are like a block away from my apartment in Ankeny as we're rolling through from, I think from a Magnum show back in the day. And we're sitting at this one light and Scott goes, Oh yeah. If you flash your lights at it, it'll trigger it because some lights have siren detectors on them. So when they see flashing lights, they flip green to help traffic moving. So he hits the thing, boom, lights hit behind us, the fucking cop like turning in the lane behind us who saw what we did. So pulls us over. It's cold. It's winter time. Scott is in the back seat. The blanket over the top of his lap, over the top of him. The cop gets up to us. He's looking around, blah, blah, blah. Scott keeps like fidgeting and adjusting. And I know if the cop's watching, all of a sudden the cop like takes a step back. He's like, can you take your hands up from under the blanket? And I'm like, holy shit. Stop, stop fucking moving. Don't fucking move. Like, this guy thinks you have a gun. You're doing the one thing cops do not want you to do. And he starts wrestling around again and is not pulling his hands out. And the cop is getting more agitated. We finally get him to take his fucking hands up from under the blanket. No one gets shot or tased. There was that split second where I was like, oh my God, he's going to pull his hand up. This cop's going to freak out and bang, 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 bang. I mean, we've all seen the story. So, yeah, I don't like intercounting, inter- interacting or encountering police while I'm on the road wrestling at all. No, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. That and you never know who might be holding something for a friend. Surely yeah. not anybody that I no. would know. No, we hang out with just society's best. I We're hang all out with citizens. I hang out with independent wrestlers and i know that none of them do anything wrong or potentially oh, illegal i just want you to know by association you have definitely broken several laws <laughs> not me 
I may have even covered up a murder. I don't know. I just, I'm just putting it out there. I am sweet and innocent. Not intentionally. Not intentionally. Remember that fork I asked you to hold? You're going to want to bury that. (laughs) You got to be forking kidding me. Oh. I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, it truly was. Um, Do you have any hidden talents? Um, Besides being an incredible geriatric nurse. um, (laughs) And draw blood. That's a pretty good talent. Um, Yeah, you can. Hidden talent. (laughs) (laughs) Start asking the old people before I put that. (laughs) Put that bevel into their skin. Did you get paid for this? Did you get a little, a little extra in the envelope? <laughs> Is this your first time gigging? Or <laughs> oh, I've done some. I've done some hack jobs on people. My God, old people's veins—they look great until you right as you go in, and that fucker just goes, <laughs> just flattens, or just rolls away from you. It's. Yeah, I've left some nasty hematomas before when I was younger. Um, hidden talents. Can sell you just about anything, I think. Um, other than that, um, I'd make a fire preacher, um, but I don't save that for people. I've got a really good evangelical preacher I can do. I actually have someone I work with who wants to take me to Africa and open a church. Uh, she's from there, and she said she would make obscene amounts of money with what I can do. But I have a conscience, so you know, ah, gets me every time. I don't really know if I have any secret hidden talents. Mm. besides being painfully average that's a talent <laughs> no, um, I don't know I think I like I have a, the ability to brighten any room that I walk into I know that sounds like it's not like a talent but um, I pride myself on being able to kind of gauge the temperature of a room and bring it up if I need to sometimes at my own expense mm-hmm. There's a joke in there, but I'm but I'm gonna leave it. All right. <laughs> I mean, don't step over it if I left it out there for you. Mm, now's not the time and place. Gotcha. <laughs> so, um, just a couple more questions, and then you'll be done talking with me if you want to be. <laughs> I'm having fun. So, if you could go back in time, what would you tell a ten-year-old version of yourself? Oh my god so much um try i mean really really try if you want this you've got to be willing to sacrifice everything for it i wasn't prepared for that when i first broke into the business that those who who make it part of the reason why they make it is the sacrifice they make um you know they they leave behind a couple chunks of themselves uh I tell myself not to stress about things you can't control. Um, And I tell myself, I know this sounds weird. Don't invest as much in your family because in the end, they're not going to invest as much into you and to not listen to the naysayers. Um, You know, I think a lot of times when we're young people who are influential to us kind of have us already pegged for what we're going to do in life. And if we don't, you know, kind of follow that path that they thought we should follow, then they're disappointed or they're upset or, you know, they kind of shit on what you do. So just to be strong, to be independent, to, and to really try, like, if you want this, give it your all because you can't go back and redo that. 
and to leave the fucking church. You're going to waste so much of the next 10 years in that place. Just fucking go. It's okay. Really. You're going to feel fine. Like, you're going to feel a whole lot better. God, I'm not going to go to confession because you lost your fucking virginity. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, they had me hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> I was raised Catholic. Yeah. It's, so, but I can similar, speak in tongues. But different. Oh, there's a hidden talent. I, I can speak tongues. Like, oh, yeah, I could go all day long speaking some tongues. Uh, yeah, it's fun. It's easy. <laughs> I one time in the middle of a revival as a 14 year old kid um, dropped about a hundred grown people, I slayed them in the spirit. That was probably the first time I realized that religion was a fucking hoax because they paraded me around the room. Because I'm, I'm telling you, I was anointed. I was pegged. I was, I was like, there were people in this church who thought I was a fucking prophet. Like that is how backwards ass this shit would be. And I would, I would just, it's sociology. You just don't want to be the one left out. So you assimilate, you do what they do. And I remember the whole, like, you know, getting slain in the spirit. And I was like, so you just fall down. And I fell down. And I just like, keep your eyes closed. Don't move. Don't fall asleep that once um but just you know and then people would talk about me as this as if i was like in the spirit realm and was at the you know the throne of god i just and then that day i was in like the seventh eighth grade i remember it because I remember back when like nbc on like sunday nights would do like the future movie you know and they did Waterworld, but Waterworld takes two parts it's a long ass movie i had to miss the second part of Waterworld as a kid because i had to go to fucking revival and yeah, they paraded me around and I literally, you know, I would just touch people and I'm walking around doing the shabba, blah, 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 you know, fucking, and everybody I touched is like a sack of fucking potatoes one after another. And I'm like walking around going, I don't feel a goddamn fucking thing. This is bullshit. I'm making words up as I go because I want to fit in. And looking back on it as, a, as an adult, I'm like, how, how much more could you exploit a child? Like, how much more could you exploit? And I'm like, fuck my parents for letting me put in that position, for letting this church fucking parade me around like this, like some kid with the fucking force. Like, go fuck yourself. Like, seriously, it is such fucking bullshit. Um, That's when he first learned to work. Dude, I'm telling you, the church makes the best (laughs) preachers would be the best workers they really would be not that they can fall down but they would be like if you want a fire manager like i'm telling you joel steen will draw so much fucking heat because that guy's got it figured out i mean that that is like the 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 the, the top of the shit now when it comes to fucking scam artist preachers but yeah i actually i had pitched in omaha a while back i mean um pat powers kind of he did it and ran it a little bit differently him and preston with the you know the pp connection um but i had basically pitched like not to the extreme of with what they they protest, but like like a southern Westboro kind of fucking wrestling preacher gimmick. Um, not where I would chastise people because of their lifestyles, but just you know the typical heel bullshit. Um, you all like are sinners whole, for drinking, and but my whole idea was I was going to be this huge false prophet. Like that's what the payoff was: is that I was no man of God. I was just was another wolf in sheep's clothing here just looking to exploit you to take you and i thought that's you know that's where the heat would be is in the the fucking oh the gotcha it's just another snake oil salesman 
but I don't know if I could find that line and not legit get like CNN heat. Yeah. It's a hard line to toe, especially here where. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think wrestling though, to an extent, I think we should probably leave religion and politics and, you know, things like that out of it because wrestling should be a distraction. Yeah. Wrestling's kind of an escape and I want to escape from my real world bullshit. Not yeah. Live in it some more. I mean, the political gimmicks, I get them because, you know, especially with the last president as polarizing as he was, there's a lot of those gimmicks that kind of start to pop up and because it is, it's easy heat, you know, everybody hated it or it's, you know, you get the opposite reaction. I don't know. Not really what I'm going for when I wrestle, but I work with it. So I see how it works and why it works. So what is the biggest animal that you could take in a fight with just your hands, no weapons, and you can pretend it's attacking you. If that makes you feel any better. I mean, I have a 10 pound wiener dog uh, with IVDD and I'm fairly certain I would fuck his world up. <laughs> I love my dog. I'm kidding. Um, the biggest animal. God damn. That's, I want to say, man, I could probably take down a boar, but man, they got some tusks and some sharp teeth. I don't know. I need a big docile animal. I also love animals. I'm not out here trying to, do I got to kill it or can I just wrestle it to the ground? Just so it's not attacking you anymore. It can be oh, just, to just, the ground. Sub- it can be run off. Subdue it is what you're saying. Yeah. So that you live oh. and it, and it leaves you alone. Oh, definitely. Like a, like a, like a, like a, uh, a doe. I mean, I think a solid like bitch slap to a doe. I could take down a full grown doe. Um, I might be getting a little heavy in my britches here, but I could probably take a buck. You know, like an that, eight point. I'm not like a like a 12, 14. Fuck that. I'm gonna get ran. I'm gonna get impaled. Um hmm. many, many small creatures, um, squirrels, um, rabbits, um, mice, um, bugs, anything that you know this big. Multiple I could take two or three ants at one time, I think. Um what if they're the bitey ants? You know, I don't want to fuck with that. Uh, no aquatic animal. Um, I, I can swim, but you know, just for pleasure and survival, uh, I'm going to go with probably a, a buck. It's about as big as I think I'd want to fuck with. Fair enough. I'm sure people are like a bear. Do you see me? A bear would fuck me, then eat me. Like, <laughs> no. get destroyed. I get a lot of bear. I get a lot of dogs and I get a lot of kangaroo. See, I wouldn't even want to think about fighting a dog because I love fucking, I am a dog person. I love dogs. Like if my ideal, I'd win the lottery and I would open up a ranch and it would just be a giant rescue for dogs. It would just be me and my wife and 200 fucking dogs. And I would never adopt them because I can't let them go once they come into my life. Be dog heaven. You just hoard them. Yeah. And uh, kangaroos, I've seen those things. They'd fuck me up. I, I don't, you know, I don't know. I got hands, but I don't have hands. I don't know if I have kangaroo hands. My ground game is pretty strong, though. I could probably, if I could get it on its back, I could probably subdue it. That's what I say about my wife. You've never said that about your wife. I could just get her on her back. I could subdue her. (laughs) I love your wife. (laughs) Everyone does. I secretly think I'm in wrestling just because people want to see my wife. 
well it doesn't hurt weird i go to bookings they're like oh you didn't bring your wife i was like did you book her or me oh she's a she is a very very special person so um how do you take your pancakes what do you like in them and on them oh here we go i've been waiting for this one are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna break my heart joseph no I fucking love pancakes in really any way you can present them to me. So as a traditionalist, you know, if I was just going to go to like an IHOP and I just, I just want some pancakes, you know, get me a stack with some butter and some syrup, just like some real maple syrup. However, if you're going to like whip up like a nice light little cream, maybe some nuts, maybe a little caramel sauce, you want to start layering and stacking, um, Fuck yes, because my thing though, like if I'm eating breakfast, I have to remind myself I'm eating breakfast. But if I'm just gonna get like a big old stack of pancakes, I'm gonna make it like a fucking cake. You know what I mean? Like it's gonna be dessert. Um, as long as they're not like super sweet, but oh fuck yes. Mini pancakes, egg pancakes, I don't care. It's a fucking, it's a it's 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 fried dough, it's delicious. <laughs> a donut inside of a pancake. I mean, let's go. I do like a good cinnamon roll pancake. Oh, stop it. Yes. Where they do the actual like cinnamon pancake and then they do your little swirl in your topping. Or do you know a place that has like a fire like rolled cinnamon roll pancake? Um, both. But like usually this. where they like put like the cinnamon, like the pancake batter and then they mm. put like a swirl of the stuff you put inside of a cinnamon roll. And then you put, you instead of using syrup, you use like icing. So I don't, maybe this has been asked and I just haven't heard the answer. Oh, no, you're fine. Are you, are you a, when you have a stack, they didn't realize this was, this is a, a thing. Are you a, I take a bite of the entire stack or are you, I eat my pancakes one by one. I am a one by one kind of gal. It sort of yes. depends. It sort of depends on exactly on what my, what my pancakes are and how, like what toppings and and syrups i'm having on them if i'm just taking a plain old like og delicious stack of regular ass pancakes i am taking the stack and um i probably have another plate from my bacon because bacon is the most wonderful complement to a pancake stack you get that little Mm. bit of salt feed every now and again they're certainly the way to go so i evacuate my pancakes onto us onto an auxiliary plate and um one pancake on the plate syrup tons of syrup so much syrup eat 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 new pancake more syrup eat 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 now see i've always sometimes i'll take the approach to if i'm at an establishment where you know maybe they have like a couple different flavors of house syrup then i love that strategy because it's like oh each pancake's going to be a different experience now i wish they would do like much like they do like you know beer flutes um is that what you call it like a flight like a flight flight, yeah flight a flute um (laughs) like a flight of pancakes so you know like give me like five of your best pancake and let me just you know i want to a pancake tour because i'll go and that's the thing where i'll always just go with the original because i'll look at this menu and they'll have like nine of these like awesome pancake creations i can't pick one of them so just give me a fucking stack of pancakes (laughs) so i always like i like to try different pancakes from different places um for a while i think it was i don't remember if it was denny's or ihop they had like a like a strawberries and cream one where they had like some sort of like cream filling and also strawberry sauce on it. That was really pretty good. Um, the strawberry cheesecake from IHOP, the, the strawberry cheesecake pancakes, mm. the 
cheesecake mm-hmm. pancakes with the strawberry sauce. Those are fire. Um, I do love a good cinnamon roll pancake. Um, when I'm in the Quad Cities, I go to the QC Pancake House and do the uh, cinnamon roll pancakes. Delightful. 1010 would recommend so much pancake. Um, love a good, I like cinnamon rolls anyway. I like cinnamon as just like flavor. Like that's a, a top tier thing I'm going to go for. So um, cinnamon roll pancakes for sure. Favorite pancake scene in a movie? And there's only one right answer. I don't think I have one. Oh, Uncle Buck. Always oh. and forever. Uncle Buck. <laughs> it's just, I've, and it's still this day, I want to eat a pancake that big. So I have a couple more questions. Um, I'm going to ask you this question because um, when we were doing lives, um, frequenter of the stack, Vic would always ask this question. Now that we're not doing lives, we're doing them recorded. I asked the question on Vic's behalf. Who do you think has the best gear of all time? Ooh, the best gear of all time. God, that's a great question. Oh, that's tough. There are different ways to like think about this and answer the question. Like from where we sit? Wait, what yeah. was that last part? No, there are different ways to think about and answer the question. Like I'm trying to there think. There are kind like, of two schools of thought. So like a guy who always has fire gear or like my one guy who just had the set of gear. Whatever best gear of all time means to you. That is so hard because I've seen some incredible. It's got to be something that's really stuck out to me, like just really made an impact. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I can honestly answer that because. Well, you have to. That's the, I mean, like locally, I would say, you know, like indie scene, like, like. Strife always has TV quality gear. It always looks great. Um, Fowler's got really good gear going right now. Um, just guys I look at locally. Um, you know, Dookie's always busting out something new. Should I think I have more of his gear than I have of my gear? Um, on TV, though, fuck. See, I'm such a traditionalist, though. Like, I enjoy, like, my way a wrestler should look is, like, trunks, knee pads, boots. So, oh, gonna be a long tights guy though i'm sorry it's got to be a long tights guy because you get so much more detail and quality but i don't know if i can pick a guy you're gonna say something and be like yes them absolutely um i don't know val vic you stumped me you son of a bitch you got me great question so the way that people either think about this is a couple different ways one um they go to like their childhood who had the best gear and i hear a lot of time I hear Macho Man Randy Savage, right? I was going to say, Macho Man was the first name that came to mind just because the tassels, the flow, the, the you know, flair, and just because of the entrance, you know, his gear is what I would picture a wrestler, you know, just a little RF on the boot, um, but the flashes in the entrance and the presentation. Um, you know, this is going to be a weird answer, but my favorite gear of all time is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Gotten that many times. Because it's just... It's the most badass look you can have. No flash. And the flash is me just walking across scorched earth. So that's the other school of thought is like that gear is iconic. It is black trunks. It is jean shorts. It is the best. It is black boots. 
like there's nothing fancy about any of that, but no. you see somebody wearing that and you go, that's stone cold. And if it's not stone cold, why are you, why are you being stone cold? Absolutely. I mean, that's why I went to trunks. I don't have the body for trunks, but like to me, wrestlers wear trunks. I mean, I get the long tights. I get the singlets. I started in a singlet. I had that all American amateur wrestling gimmick. Um, yeah, I got, maybe I will say that's cool. I thought of Austin just because it is so basic, but he revolutionized wrestling with black boots, black trunks, like wild today. I mean, everybody's got great fucking gear. That's the hard part with today. Everybody's so flashy. Taker, I always love the old school Taker gear. Kane, Kane's actually probably one of my favorite gears of all time. And the different adaptations where, you know, we went from, you know, we did the double straps, the old school, you know, everything covered, then just the choke slam arms exposed. Because we, you know, every time they peeled back a layer, though, I was like, this guy wasn't fucking burnt. His skin's beautiful. <laughs> Aww. Oh, Rick Rude. I love the old school airbrush. Actually, those were really cool. Um, RVD, when he would bust out the airbrush singlets, were always really cool. Um, yeah, okay, now you got my brain going. I'm going to sit up at like 3 a.m. and have an answer to this question. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to message me. And I'll just retweet it. I can tell you who the best <laughs> legs in wrestling. Doug fucking Furnace. I can tell you that much right now. <laughs> fucking goddamn quad father. <laughs> oh. So I'm take you on like a little mental journey. So I'm just going to ask you just to like go on the journey with me. Okay? Cool. So you are hungry and you want something to eat. You go to the store and you're like cruising the aisles. And all of a sudden you're like, you know, I want something sweet. And you go down the cookie and you're like, fuck, I love cookies. Who doesn't love cookies? I absolutely want cookies. So you go to the cookie aisle and you're like, I don't want chocolate chip cookies or peanut butter cookies. No, no, no. I want America's favorite cookie, which is the Oreo. So you go to the section with all of the Oreos. There's so many flavors now. And you're like, I don't want all these fucking fruity flavors. No, no, no. I want the chocolate cookie, white cream center, OG Oreo. But you still have options, right? You could get the thin Oreos. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. could get the single stuffed Oreos, just OG, classic single stuff. You could get the double stuffed Oreo, or you could get like the mega stuffed Oreo. So my question to you tonight, Joseph Anderson, how much stuff are you getting in your Oreo? OG, original, the way God intended them. I'll tell you why. Because now we do pick up double stuff in this household because my wife enjoys the double stuff. I'm, I know I'm I like her. Right? However, it's the way in which I consume my Oreo. I'm a milk guy. Oreos and milk go together. And I have kind of a system when I eat my Oreo. Um, I, I, I deconstruct my Oreo. I am a, in various levels, um, actually my favorite things to do is to smush the two chocolate cookies completely together and let the frosting just kind of like spiral out the side and then just give it a one big finger work around, pop that in and then dunk. Um, I enjoy the cookie itself more so than the cream, actually. Um, that's why if you're like me, spoiler, uh, the chocolate animal crackers taste just like a fucking Oreo cookie. Like, I mean, most comparable thing I can find, but yeah, I just like a little bit of cream in there. Um, I've had the mega stuff and I'm like, it's just that Oreo frosting. It's kind of, if you get too much of it, you really start to feel that processed grittiness, not very smooth if you get too much in your mouth at once so og oreo all day family size and it's gonna last me three days 
I have Dan so, in the back that a sleeve a day, baby. <laughs> so that is the unofficial incorrect answer to the question. The unofficial correct answer to the question is, of course, the double stuffed Oreo. It's the correct amount of stuff. I, I hear you. I hear you. I, I, like I said, Michelle, Michelle's with you there. But I, again, I'm more, I like more cookie to my cream. Hmm. The old guy in me. I mean, you have taken some headshots, so. However, though, I mean, if you want a really good cookie, let me just bake you some. It'll be really good. I don't think you've ever baked me a cookie in my entire life, Joseph. Oh, I, I don't really advertise it. Around the holidays, I will. I actually had somebody, a really close friend, I made. Um, we were doing a Christmas cookie party. Well, I went along with the wife. And you pre-make your dough. So, I, you know, I brought my pre-made dough over. And everyone wanted my fucking cookie. I got a really good sugar cookie. Um, really, you know, I'm making chocolate chip cookies, peanut butter cookies. Sometimes I get a little too elevated and full of myself, we'll say. And uh, that's when the real magic happens. Good and bad. Mm-hmm. But actually, here's what I want. Here's what well, we're on the topic of Oreos. And you might get behind this. I want an Oreo that is filled with cheesecake. That would be good, cheesecake. like a cheesecake filling. Uh-huh, but it has to be, it's cold. And I want legit cheesecake filling inside of an Oreo. Oh, so you yeah, just want like cheesecake filling in an Oreo crust. Yeah, but I want it to be an official Oreo. Like packaged, looks nice, looks good, but I want, I want cheesecake when I bite into it. Huh. I see those in three weeks on the shelves. They're watching. I used to think as a kid that... Um, Every idea I had in wrestling, someone was listening to me because it always happened on TV. And as an adult, I realized, no, you were just following the natural progression of the story. And you just (laughs) happened to accurately guess what was going to happen next. (laughs) The world's not quite the conspiracy I wanted to believe it is. However, birds aren't real all day. Anyways, keep going. They are. So upcoming shows. Where can people see you? Let me pull out the old calendar because, like I said, my brain don't work so good no more. Um, I've got well, I got Magnum coming up this weekend. Um, so as you're listening to this, roll over to Magnum Pro on Facebook. Um, use your old Google machine, um, check them out, get some tickets for the show. Got some wild things happening. Um, but then in between that, I've got um, Cloud Nine's coming back up in Minot, North Dakota, um, running October and November. Let me just pull up some dates here for you real quick. Um, I got uh, Below Zero coming up again next month on the 24th, I believe, me and Brandon Nitro. Um, it's a guy, man, Brandon Nitro is really starting to come into his own, um, trained with uh, Nick Dinsmore. Um, he's gotten out there, gotten exposure. He's had a really good series of matches with Silas Young. Um, he's had the unfortunate pleasure of now having to fight me five times in 2022. It's kind of like the year of Nitro for me. Just like, man, you go from Silas Young to me. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, oh, goodness. I've got, oh, and then uh, uh, Mid-Death Pro coming back to Des Moines in October. If you guys love Deathmatch Wrestling. You got to check it out, especially if you're in the Midwest, if you're in Iowa. I am the prodigal son. I make my return once again to my hometown of Des Moines, um, where I love to roll in, tell people exactly why I fucking left, and then leave again. It's nice to be able to go to see no ring death matches and death match shows and not have to drive like six hours to do it. I will say oh, it's incredible. It's very it pleasant really for me is I'm trying to get you the cloud nine day here real quick. 
my Facebook. I'm in a I'm in a timeout right now. <laughs> Facebook doesn't understand that I'm a professional wrestler. And sometimes when people make comments, I respond as a professional wrestler. Oh my gosh. Tell one person I'm gonna punch him in the dick when I see him next time, and all of a sudden I'm shut down for violence for a week. <laughs> October 8th in Minot, North Dakota is um the next cloud nine that is coming up that is right around the corner yeah here. that is like two weeks here, brother. Talking. yeah that's a long drive you gotta mentally prepare for that one how far is that uh after stops um anywhere between 11 and 12 hours nice. so i'm going things- i'm going out of going? town that weekend oh, oh no somewhere else oh um, no i'm not going up to mine not <laughs> i know you love wrestling but i don't know if you're driving quite that far I mean, I'm driving eight and a half hours to go to Indiana for wrestling. Oh, Indiana? Okay. Nice. That's more of your, you're more of a East and West traveler. Yes, yes, very much so. You're smart. You know there's nothing past South Dakota. It's like the DNZ zone of, for Canada and the United States. It's called North Dakota, but I don't know. There's not a whole lot there. People go there. They're not sure why they're there. And they're always in a hurry to leave. So I don't know. I love my North Dakota peeps. <laughs> Fargo is a fucking fantastic city. I love Fargo. If I was 20, I'd be living in Fargo right now. So it's a, it's, cool. it's, it's a, it's a party town. People don't think I Fargo, mean, North Dakota. It's, it's a college town. Yeah. Like I went there a couple times when I was in college back in the olden days. To go see bands. I mean, my party days in college were either at Ames or Iowa City, but I really didn't party that much. So that was probably a good thing. I went to one frat party when I was at Iowa State and I got kidnapped by a rival fraternity. Yeah, I got bombed. We made a note to young children out there too. When, when, When a rapper you enjoy gives you ingredients to a drink in their lyrics, do not make it. You are not ready for it. I was not ready for Caribou Lou. Um, <laughs> that one fifty one fucked my world. Um, um, I started drinking. I woke up in a completely different building in like a loft dorm. Fell down a fire escape. Um, blacked out again. Got into a fight with my high school girlfriend. I mean, I just remember pieces of this. And then woke up in the dorm room across from mine, soaking wet head to toe, covered in dirt. Apparently, at one point, as they tried to get me home, I saw the flashing lights of a cop car, and I said, I should probably go tell him how drunk I am. And they tackled me and drugged me and threw me into the car while I was soaking wet. And I guess I walked through a sprinkler system at one point, too. <laughs> the Joe Dozer was a thing. It really was. <laughs> and I may have chased a, a white Bronco once through uh, downtown Milo, Iowa, which is a town of 55 people. Um, this poor soccer mom who was probably late getting home from work happened to just be driving a Bronco. Um, I stripped down to my underwear and ran through town square screaming, OJ, OJ, I know you didn't do it. As I chased this woman on foot. Luckily, there aren't any cops in Milo. The, the next one's like three towns over and he wasn't going to get there in time. I was going to have my pants back on. That was young me. That was young, impressionable. Did not know my limit, me. 
So my final question is, uh, where can people find you? Plug your Twitter, Instagram, if you have a Facebook fan page, YouTube, yeah. Twitch, OnlyFans, TikTok, merch store, whatever you have, plug it all. Always, always. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Joseph Anderson Pro. Um, I'm trying to get back in the Twitter game, be a little bit more on that. I'm an old man, so Facebook's my go-to social media. Um, like I said, I'm in a timeout, but Joseph Anderson, you'll find me. It's my ugly mug on there. Um, don't really do the fan page. Just welcome to my life. You know, it's 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 me. I try to keep it wrestling focused, but once in a while, something pisses me off. You come for that bullshit anyways, don't lie. We all follow wrestlers on Twitter just waiting for them to say something fucking stupid. That's just our society. Um, I'm on Instagram, same Joseph Anderson Pro, all underscores. Um, kind of new to the Instagram thing, so I'm still kind of learning how that works and having some fun with it. Um, I'm not kidding. When I was a drunk hillbilly for like six years, I just, I lived it. <laughs> um, otherwise, when I am on TikTok, right now just as a passive follower. I'm trying to come up with some ideas for some content I could could do there. Fucking content creation is hard. You guys who are good at it are incredible. What do you think about that? <laughs> I do it. I'm not good at it. But oh, I have fun. It, it's, I guess as long as you're having fun. That's what's important in life. Anything you're doing, if you're not having fun, why are we doing it? X. Unless it's how you pay your bills. Sometimes work ain't fun. Truly. But on that note, this has been The Stack. I'm Val Pancakes. This is Joseph Anderson. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Be sure to follow Joseph on all of his social medias. And thank you tonight, Joe. Absolutely. And if you want to see me anywhere near you, reach out to your local promoter and say, hey, Joseph Anderson, I saw him on a podcast once. Bring him in. Let's watch him get his ass kicked. You heard the man. Look, Joseph Anderson. Let me let me put your baby faces over. Come on. Let's do business. <laughs>